1: And welcome to another edition of Dynasty Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network and our friends over at Underdog Fantasy, your home for best ball and more. And as always, we have that 100% deposit match up $100 coming up later in the show. So make sure you're tuned in for that today. Uh, nothing is in the books. Um, I guess you know another week of the off season in the books. You know, many rookie drafts are in the books. Some waivers are starting up in some leagues. But uh, this evening, I am joined by the one and only Dan Sanyo. How are you this evening, Dan?
2: I'm good. I'm, I'm kind of surprised you didn't start up with the, uh, the massive, massive news of Brian Edwards being traded to Atlanta. Uh, that's probably the biggest news of the off season. I know the Tyreek Hill news is big and A.J. Brown and Hollywood Brown. But let's be honest, new wide receiver one, Brian Edwards, has found a good home. And
1: I mean, damn! If you want to, if we need just spin something, we can spin Kyle Pitts stock way down. We're, we're all his targets significant dis- <laughs> disappeared? Targets disappeared for Kyle Pitts. Uh, not really. Um, Brian Edwards might not even make the team. I, I, I don't even know. Oh, what the trade come on! <laughs> I don't know what the trade compensation was, so he'll probably make the team. But, anyways, this evening we're we've we've kind of played around with a with a little bit with with our presenting sponsor of Underdog, but. Stacking. The idea of stacking, we're going to be talking about it from a dynasty perspective and how much it matters in dynasty season all versus dynasty basketball and how to stack if you're going to stack in dynasty fantasy football. And then we'll wrap up the show with talking some to stack or not to stack. That is the question. Obviously, I'm not going to go and say, Dan, should we stack the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Should we stack the Kansas City Chiefs? I, I, I think the answer is yes. I mean, there, there's some like value questions there. But we're gonna be talking some some, some of the more um, intriguing offenses to stack or not stack in the second half of the show. I've said yeah. the word stack a lot. I'm gonna say it more. Um,
2: you were interrupting me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was just I was just going to say yeah, Stacking is fun. It we'll go over the, the scenarios. Uh, it's easier said than done a lot of times, but um, I, I think there's definite ways to get there.
1: Yeah. So first, let's start off with buying stacks in Dynasty. Is my primary thing when I'm talking about buying a, a stack, a you know, a, a multitude of, of options in an offense, whether it be the quarterback and receiver, quarterback and the running back, I think that the number one thing to look at is that some people get carried away and they can disregard value. Like they will take a player in the fifth that is a seventh-round value because they have his teammate in the, from the third. And I think that's where you can get in trouble in Dynasty because, you know, we see player movement each and every offseason that – so a stack can just as easily turn into a non-stack within a year. So don't say like, you know, I'm, I have Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill. I have them forever. Oh, now you don't. Now you have Patrick Mahomes as a chief and, and uh, Tyree Kill as a dolphin. Both still very good fantasy assets, but they aren't fulfilling the, the stack that you were targeting there. Um, and then in terms of how to identify a value stack, I, I think that the, the biggest thing for that is going to those top-end offenses and then going for the lower end options. So going for that wide receiver three types like like a Russell Gage in in Tampa Bay or a Marquez Valdez scampling in in Kansas City. Um, and then of course it helps if you have the quarterback there. That's the, that's the whole stack part of it. Um, so Dan, what are your general thoughts on stacking the dynasty? Do you avoid it? Do you do you target it? What what do your do your do your teams have a lot of similar uh, same team players?
2: I think, generally speaking, my teams have a decent number of of minimal stacks. I don't. I'm not a big, you know, get every position. I, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to get Mahomes, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, Tyreek Hill, and Kelsey. Obviously, when the Chiefs were all together, like that. That's like a real big, like big time stack. I, I think. Uh, I, having a quarterback and a wide receiver from the same team, like I have so many teams that have Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen on them. I have so many that have Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb. Uh, I, I think going with the quarterback wide receiver combo is probably the most popular. I, I think we might see uh, a little bit of of maybe whoever Atlanta drafts early, unless Des Ritter works out. But whoever Atlanta drafts early next year, and Kyle Pitts in some startups. And I will say that that buying stacks is significantly different than drafting stacks. I think it's much, much easier to draft a stack, especially if you're looking in, you know, obviously Superflex is kind of the the new world standard here. So uh, you know, if you're drafting in Superflex, it's much easier to grab Mahomes at one or two and then Travis Kelsey at the back end of the fourth. That that's gonna be a, a much more attainable goal than than trying to, you know, grab say, Kyler Murray and uh, someone else, and then trade those players to different teams to acquire Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. You're going to end up spending a lot more than just kind of their ADP draft capital in order to get these players. So I think if your goal is to stack and, and you're looking to get some younger stacks, uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, Dak and CD or, or Dak and Gallup, I have so much of, th- those are much easier to get either through the rookie draft or in the startup than they are to, you know, after Dak blew up, he was really hard to to get uh, aside from the the non-believers. So I think if you do have a focus on stacking, I think you really want to, in my personal opinion, you go for the high-end wide receivers that have kind of the the middling value quarterbacks. I think those are the easiest ones to get, but I think the most productive and and the best to have from a you know kind of a full point of view. Is the high-end quarterback, high-end wide receiver, or tight end? Obviously, you know that would make the most sense. But you're going to be sinking significantly more uh, startup value or trade value when you're kind of acquiring these players. So it's there's a lot to both sides, but I definitely think doing stacking, uh, you know, is is smart to a to a kind of a point. But you don't want to be stacking Marcus Mariota and Brian Edwards in a million places, except for when you can get them really late in your best ball drafts.
1: Now, in terms of when you're, you're, when you're, when you get from the draft season and trade season into the lineup season, I think that this was thinking back in probably the early 2010s, late two thousands that it's like, Oh, you don't want to be like too committed to an offense. And then now we've realized that being highly volatile could, can be beneficial in a week to week game where, you know, having an offense that scores, you know, 35 NFL points is going to be hugely beneficial for your fantasy team putting up, you know, 25, 50, 75 points, you know, depending on how many you have. Um, so I guess the question is, is it not a worry if it's like a Derek Carr-Adams-Waller stack, but it is a worry if it's a Derek Carr-Adams-Renfro or, you know, something where it's, it's not like three, like or like two very high-end wide receivers, you can have your own opinion on Renfro. Um, But more so, what I'm saying is that, does it really depend on the the value of said wide receivers slash tight ends that it's like, oh, I'm willing to obviously have this many players if they're all good, but are you less likely to start Hunter Renfro if you have Adams because Renfro is more that middling prospect?
2: Yeah, that's kind of the tough part about stacking and obviously lineup setting as well because you kind of have to play the... Well, are they going to only give it to Adams this week? Is Renfro going to be a thing? Uh, I would say for the higher end offenses, it's much easier to get those guys into your lineups because more often than not, they're going to do what they're supposed to do. You know, the top five to I would say twelve NFL offenses are going to be pretty darn consistent, and you're going to have very few stinkers throughout the year. And you know, you have to expect to get a, a low output at some point from most of your guys. But it's it's one of those things where, like like I said, kind of before, you don't really want to be chasing the really low end quarterbacks and kind of the uh, the random wide receiver or tight end. You know, if you if you get having these guys on, that on like a stack team, they wouldn't even be making bye week playing time. It's probably not a great stack to have. You probably don't want to be chasing that. That being said it sometimes is wise if you do have the higher end quarterback and you're not able to get a higher end wide receiver to stack with to chase the wide receiver 2 or the wide receiver 3 or maybe the middling valued, you know, tight end. You know, uh, going back to the Dallas Cowboys, if you had Dak and Gallup or if you had Dak and Jarwin or uh, Dalton Schultz, you know, those paid off massive dividends. If you had Josh Allen and Dawson Knox, you know, th- those at the time were you're paying up for quarterback but you have a super cheap option. So I think if you if you miss out on the big option as far as the pass catcher or the running back goes, depending on the offense, I think it's wise to backfill with some of the other options that the offense has to uh, help protect against injury. Or, I, I mean, maybe all of a sudden they stick. You know, we, we saw, again, going with Buffalo – and uh, Gabe Davis all of a sudden started doing things or, uh, you know, Cole Beasley, when he was actually catching passes, but doing was doing something and he was super cheap at the time as well. So there's always there's always points to be had. Uh, the safest route is going big at quarterback. But I think, you know, the the most upside for the price is chasing, you know, the cars or the goffs or the Tuas. And they're better options because that's a cheaper way to get into a stack that could prove to be a league winner.
1: And one one thing for dynasty is that you can kind of do a long term type stack where it could definitely be beneficial. Where one example would be, you can have like a, Lock, a Drew Locke, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett stack, and it could pay dividends in 2023 in the form of whoever's at quarterback, not named Drew Locke. Obviously you don't have to have Drew Locke in that scenario, but I, I like to target those wide receivers and tight ends that are part of like, haven't have the weapons around them. Like, you know, a 2020, uh, a 2021 Denver Broncos team. It's like, this is, this team is one quarterback away. The Seahawks, theoretically, that offense is one quarterback from, you know, being much better. Theoretically they just just traded away that one quarterback in Russell Wilson. But if, if you target the offenses that the quarterback is the missing component, there is such a large discrepancy between one year to the next when that gets fixed. And so if you, if you are highly invested in the Seahawks offense and they get a really good quarterback next year, that could pay huge dividends. in, in you know, year two, three of a startup or, or basically your, your three year plan of, of dynasty.
2: Yeah. The tough ones there are the, are the teams that are stuck on a bad quarterback contract or the teams that are kind of stuck in their own ways. You know, the Washington commanders, now with Wentz and whatever else they're going to do at quarterback, you know, that's a really tough spot as good as I think Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson are. I think we're probably looking at a down year or two, depending on what happens there. Uh, you know, even Jacksonville, we, we would hope Trevor Lawrence is going to be that guy, but based on last year, there's not a whole lot of hope and they didn't really do a lot in helping him. So that would be a tough stack for me to, to go out and get, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers for a long time were, that, that was like the cream of the crop for your stacking. You know, when you when you could have Ben, Le'Veon, and and uh, Antonio Brown, or Ben and and you know any of the plethora Emmanuel, of wide receivers. Sanders.
1: Uh, exactly.
2: You know the the teams that have a history of always kind of having big offenses, big production. Those are the stacks you really should be chasing. You can you can hype up all the new innovative ways teams are playing and hope that these offenses are going to be great. You could go out and have gotten uh, a super wonderful, you know, Trey Lance, Trey Sermon, and Brandon Ayuk stack, and look where that got you. Almost nowhere. Uh, your better yeah, stack would yeah. have been would have been Elijah Mitchell, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Debo Samuel, which probably would have cost you uh, – well, it would have cost you a lot less. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, yeah, and it, that, that kind of goes back to the point of starting your stack with those lesser quarterbacks. There's uh, obviously less upside in that, like – you're not going to, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Drew Locke, those guys aren't a Jared Goff. They're not going to turn into Patrick Mahomes overnight. But from a fantasy perspective, you know, it, it kind of is similar to the whole like late round quarterback thing that like they can provide that value a lot easier than
2: the Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey stack. And one question I have for you, Nathan, as far as, because we've been talking a lot about you know quarterback and pass catchers, as far as stacking with running backs go, are you kind of fading the teams that are, are more pass-heavy to their main pass catchers and your wide receivers and your tight ends? Or do you think the two-down backs provide a little bit more to that because you're guaranteeing that third option from, you know, the quarterback and the wide receivers catching the ball and throwing the ball, and now you, you're you covering the rest of the downs with potentially the two-down back?
1: Yeah, with the, the two-down back, if I'm, like, going into it thinking, okay, how can I get pieces of this offense or things like that, the number one thing I'm dinging is touchdowns. Like mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not going to stack a team quarterback running back that I don't think is going to score a ton of touchdowns. Like the the Raiders we talked about a little bit already. I think they're going to score a lot of touchdowns. So I would be very comfortable with a Derek Carr Josh Jacobs stack. Also because they aren't like Derek Carr is not a top value quarterback. He's probably you know in that twelve to fifteen range. And Josh Jacobs is certainly not a top value running back anymore. Probably in that like what fourteen to eighteen range now. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's ways to get, look at the teams that are projected to score the most touchdowns, whether it's through four for four or RotoViz, or, you know, um, there's lots of different you know services that project those things over, this, over the course of the season. And if you can find a team that is projected to score a lot of touchdowns and stack their two down back with their quarterback, it increases your weekly floor. It does not quite, quite have the same ceiling of the quarterback wide receiver stack.
2: Absolutely. And, and as you know, obviously we're always chasing the bell cow backs. There's very few of them that exist at this point. Most most NFL offenses have some form of a committee backfield, whether it's 50-50, 60-40, or you have three backs getting involved in places like San Francisco or places like Miami. Uh, it, it, it's hard to really find a bell cow to stack with a high end quarterback and, a, you know, a top three pass catcher in an offense just because, that's going to probably be your first three picks coming out and the chances of you not having to reach to get each one of those players is i mean it's slim you know the the one you probably could get would be like a devontae adams josh jacobs Derek carr but you're probably reaching on car you're probably reaching on adams and jacobs you could probably get for fair value so uh it's you really do have to weigh your options when you're looking at stacking. Sometimes trading into it is the better option. Sometimes you're able to get decent value, especially when you're looking at stacking some of the older players. You know, as great as it would be to have Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, I'm not hating having Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen or I'm not hating having Kirk Cousins and and Dalvin Cook. I think there's always a good way to get into a stack. You just need to find the best way to a not overspend and and have sunken value just in case it's a miss. But but B, it, really thinking about all of the options in the offense. You, you don't have to just hone in on Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey because there's going to be other folks scoring points. Obviously, chasing the highest floor isn't a bad idea. But, I mean, you can chase almost free points that are going to be on the board, and you, you might not have to sink huge value to get there.
1: Yeah, and I think that one of the one of the premises of with with buying stacks, whether it be for draft, draft or trade, is you're trying to gain the, those minimal, you know, advantages. And I think that you're, it's much more likely you, you gain that advantage with the secondary or, or third option rather than, like, let, let's say uh, Travis Kelsey and Kyle Pitts have the same exact projection. That's not true, but, like, say they, they did. If they have the same exact projection, your team will probably be better off, honestly, like on a week-to-week basis going with, Mahomes and Pitts rather than Mahomes and Kelsey because of you know the volatility of like if Mahomes doesn't have the best day, then Pitts Pitts might just be fine. So, you know, that's that's the floor versus ceiling argument on a week to week basis. Now, this one thing I I I was when I was writing up 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 this topic, I don't think I've ever done this personally, but I think I might start because as we said, that stacking is something that is growing year over year, something that's more popular than it was five, six years ago. Have you ever sat there and you know, let's say you have you know DeAndre Hopkins pre-suspension, you have DeAndre Hopkins, and you're like, wow, I have this veteran. I'm really in a rebuild. He has no business on my roster. Do you then approach the Kyler Murray guy? Is that ever been a thought that you've had? Because um, I think it,
2: I think it's going to grow into a very common thought that that can be taken advantage of. Always the the first place I go when I'm looking to move an asset uh, of any age. Is the quarterback whoever has that person's quarterback? You're getting the first offer, whether it was trying to move Devontae Adams after he got traded, which I, I wasn't doing. But you know, you go find the Derek Carr uh, owner and and you try to make a deal there. You go, you know, maybe maybe that's the move where now all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers is cheap. You can stack all of those things together. You get yourself into a high end quarterback out of potentially Devontae Adams and you know something else. But there's that should realistically be the first path you take because i from my perspective if it's someone you know if i have the quarterback and it's one of the top two or three pass catchers in an offense almost regardless of the offense i want that player because i want to have that link i want to have that on a week to week that that to me is a is a comfort you know as as nice as it is to kind of completely diversify your your portfolio if you will and just have players from everywhere Cover your bye week situations to cover uh, potential injuries. You know the whole thing. I love the the potential to double dip on points whenever I can get them.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's actually something I was going to bring up on a little bit. So I guess we can, we can address it now. Uh, bye weeks and schedules in dynasty. If if a guy uh, if if that guy's has a particularly hard cornerback schedule, or if you know three of your wide receivers have the same bye because they're on the same team, like. How do you address that? Is that something that you're making trades for, or is it more so I'm just going to eat week eight and that's going to be a really sticky week for me?
2: Yeah. Best case scenario is you have all of your bye weeks at the same time. I, I would rather just have a goose egg one week and have all of my players for all of the rest of the weeks than have them really thinned and spread out because having to remove one of your starters for 10 weeks in a row, I mean, that's not ideal. Obviously most teams are going to have a little bit of depth where you're able to plug and play a little, but uh, I would rather just take one guaranteed loss and, and lose like three or four of my players or even five of my players. If I can lose half a lineup on one bye week, I, I would be super happy with it. And obviously that's tough to do in a dynasty bit. You know, if you're doing like a best ball draft or whatever, that that's a much easier thing to try to find and do. Uh, but as far as dynasty goes, I'm, I'm not really trading around bye weeks. Uh, I'm playing the waiver wire on that. Maybe some teams have some lower end guys that they're dangling on the trade bait. Uh, at that point, I'd be making some trades around, you know, bye week times when it gets really heavy. We've we've seen some of these weeks the last few years where you're losing like half of the really viable fantasy options in the league all in one week, and some teams get absolutely slaughtered by it, some teams thrive because of it. So it's that's kind of an element of luck in fantasy football, as most of it is. You know, there's obvious skill built in, but bye weeks for me are if they all fall in one week, I'm happy.
1: Yeah, the only time that I will have bye weeks interact with my trade value or trade discussions at all is I play in a few leagues where the playoffs start early, week 12, week 13. And, I, and I'm and like, i like Mike Evans, uh, I think the Bucks had, had a week 13 bye recently, the, the, last year or the year before. And I didn't see that and like, oh, I'm going like to lose in the first round, so I must trade away Mike Evans. But if I can make a lateral move, like, you know, I'm trying to think of a – Mike Evans comparable, but you know if I if I can go from Mike Evans to an, a similarly valued like wide receiver two, and that wide receiver two doesn't have a you know a bye week in the playoffs, that's something to to definitely you know consider, especially if you're a win now team that doesn't have the bye week and all those things. So I think that is something to be cognizant of, but it's not something to be like oh I got to trade away all my week thirteen players because the playoffs start week thirteen.
2: Yeah, I mean at that point you're just trying to maximize your potential points, so you can chase guys that have already had their bye week uh that that's you know that's just kind of i would say general knowledge if you are qu- trying to acquire a, a player midseason, you should really be trying to acquire them after their bye week that you know it, you're just maximizing your potential points
1: and so we, before we hit, go into this you know we talked about the show underdog We've got to get involved with underdog fantasy tell them about it now.
2: Yeah, well, we've talked a little bit about best ball. We've talked about stacking, and and what better place to do any of that than Underdog, Underdog.com. And right now, you guys, you're getting free money. Underdog is matching anyone's first deposit up to a hundred dollars, dollar for dollar. You put in fifty, they give you fifty. You put in hundred, they give you hundred. And with that, you can go and and just do all of the fun best ball things that you want to do. You can you can do their pick 'em. You can. do so many options on on underdog i absolutely love it i I think nathan after the show probably have to join a couple and and maybe start stacking ourselves let's go for a full stack let's let's try to get a quarterback running back wide receiver tight end times two in some of those super flex ones that's uh that's just gotta be the bet so like we've talked about it so much but it's by far the easiest and the best place to play you can draft your team with no in-season management get optimal scores each week and have a shot to win over 10 million dollars in that awesome best ball mania 3 contest talked about that as well so make sure you get in make sure you go to underdog it's the best place for all things best ball they have a wonderful pick 'em option as well where you're just picking players to score essentially and you just win It's as easy as that. You play underdog, you win.
1: That sounds like a plan.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: All right. So, uh, yeah. So, wrapping up this part of the show, stacking in best ball. The number one reason I like stacking in best ball isn't, isn't because I want the double points, isn't because of any of these different things. It's actually because in best ball leagues, you typically have more roster spots. And so, it's a lot easier to stack those wide receiver threes, wide receiver fours, tight end twos, and also get those points. Like, if you have an NFL team tight end two, rarely are you going to be able to start him in your lineup week to week. But if you have like a Cameron Bray, Tom Brady stack, like that's going to pay off for you three or four, four times throughout the year. And so my stacking in best ball is more so through those tertiary assets. I'm not saying, okay, let me go out and get my Mike Evans, Chris Godwin set, which kind of, it's kind of been the theme. that I want to try and target either the cheap quarterback or the cheap receivers with the great quarterback, one of the two. And we'll, we'll go over that in a little bit at the next part of the show. But in terms of, in best of all dynasty, there's so many roster spots, it allows for you to get more creative and like it you're not it's not like you're making a huge decision of like Cameron Bray versus Taylor Conklin. Like either one is fine. Like if you have Zach Wilson, go with Conklin. If you have you know Tom Brady, go with Bray
2: For sure, yeah. And the way you start your drafts or or the way your roster is kind of being formed makes it a lot clearer as to what you should be stacking. You know, if your team is loaded at wide receiver already, but you're looking to stack with Tom Brady, or you're looking to stack with a, a different quarterback, it's much easier to go out and find a tight end, or it's much easier to go out and find a running back. Uh, or you can use one of those wide receivers you already have to maybe target a, a stackable wide receiver for whatever your quarterback situation is. So uh I, I like Nathan what what you're saying. I think I think that's just is is Honestly, fantastic advice. That's that's the way people should be approaching best balls.
1: All right. Anything else on stacking before we get on to stack or not to stack?
2: No, I can't wait to take it back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to stack or not to stack, let's take it back. So um, we're going to go through some offenses. We've already hit on a couple of these, um, particularly the Raiders. I feel like we spent half the show talking about the Raiders. So let's start off with the Raiders. Um, are we stacking or not stacking in Dice Man's football in 2022? Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Splash of Hunter Renfro. What are your thoughts on stacking the Vegas football team in 2022?
2: Uh, I love this stack. I think this is your cleanest and and probably cheapest option to an elite stack. And yes, I am putting the Raiders in that category. You have Devontae Adams, who has proven time and time again, he can be that guy. We've seen Josh Jacobs do it already a few times. Uh, Darren Waller, when healthy, is a top five tight end in the NFL, and Derek Carr continues to just perform and and perform well, and never really gets the credit for it. I, I've been a hater myself. I'm not saying that I'm I'm clean on this, but Derek Carr does plenty enough to make to make this stack really worthwhile. And honestly, this is probably one of my favorite stacks just because. Of the cost of Derek Carr. I mean, he was a quarterback one last year, and he's definitely not being treated as such, even with them bringing in Devontae Adams. That's massive.
1: Yeah, obviously, the Adams acquisition is huge. I think that the reason that Carr, somewhat deservedly, is undervalued is because he doesn't have the Konami code, doesn't have the, the rushing upside. But with the weapons he has of Adams and Renfro and Waller, like you don't necessarily need it because you can have an easily like a 420 passing yard game on a week to week basis. So I, I think that in terms of guys that are locked into their starting job at quarterback and has the weapons around
2: him, it is probably the most affordable, like with that criteria with, without question. And, and to go back to your, uh, no rushing statement, Nathan, I mean, he outrushed Teddy Bridgewater, Aaron Rodgers, to, uh, Jared Goff. So he's got some legs with that 109 yards on the season. All right. boy, that's... I mean, when you started naming names, I I was like, oh, it's like 200 yards. No, 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 no. No, 109. He did not not do well. But to go back to your point from earlier in the show, I would expect the Raiders to be scoring significantly more touchdowns than they scored even last year. I mean, Carr only had 21 passing touchdowns. I would expect that number to be 30 for a floor. All right, let's
1: move on to the Detroit Lions. This is... I, I feel like uh, the the Lions are like my new Browns. When we were we were a Browns podcast like f- four years ago when when Baker first got in the NFL, we're like, I want all the Bre- Baker, I want all the Chubb and the Hunt and da da da. The Lions are my new are, are my new Browns. I am in love with almost all of their weapons. You know, I love DeAndre Swift. I think he's he can easily be the best running back in the NFL sooner rather than later. Amon uh, Ross St. Brown. I think is a very solid wide receiver, NFL wide receiver two, and they traded up for Jamison Williams to be their wide receiver one. And T.J. Hawkinson is quietly like one of the best four or five tight ends in the NFL, and I, I think he, he doesn't get the credit for it. I think that this is an offense that is on the cusp of almost all these guys are still fairly reasonably priced. They're they're not cheap. These are guys that are highly valued in Dynasty, but these are all guys that will like appreciably increase in value. Once their quarterback is not named Jared Goff, and in the meantime, Jared Goff is free and he has all of these weapons. So free plus weapons
2: equals Nathan wants Jared Goff. And you know, you brought up a point of them adding weapons. Goff wasn't bad last year. He threw for three thousand yards in thirteen games. He had seventeen touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's not horrible in thirteen games. And really, with with only uh, Amon Ross, Saint Brown to throw to, obviously T.J. Hawkinson when he was on the field. It is a fantastic asset. And the, the only part of this stack that I'm not overly in love with is trying to acquire DeAndre Swift if you don't already have him. Building your stack around Swift, if you already have him, is a great thing to do because, like you said, Goff is super cheap. Hawkinson is probably one of the best buys in Dynasty. He keeps getting slandered for whatever reason. And and I, I've been giving him the Tyler Eifert treatment as well. Because he struggled to stay on the field. But when he's on the field, I mean, he's arguably tight end one. We all love Kyle Pitts. We all love Mark Andrews, but Hawkinson's right there and he is not getting the credit for it. Obviously, I love Jamison Williams. Uh, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is, is going to be a nice buy now that they did draft Jamison Williams. And I think this offense is going to take a decent leap forward. They've gotten, I, I think, worlds better in a very short period of time. So if Goff can just be average, If he can be like a quarterback 18, this offense should be, I mean, dynamite.
1: Let's move on to another team with quarterback concerns, depending on who you talk to, the Philadelphia Eagles. A stack of Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and Dallas Goddard. You and I have voiced our concerns and opinions around Jalen Hurts. But similar to Goff, he is surrounded by talent, with Miles Sanders you know, Becoming a very underrated running back. I'm not saying that Miles Sanders is any sort of like top five, top 10 running back, but people are acting like Miles Sanders just isn't good. And I think that's far from the case. And then we look at A.J. Brown's a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Devonta Smith is one of the best young wide receivers. And Dallas Goddard's a top six or seven tight end. So similar to, to Goff, I'm buying the assets around Hertz in hopes that the, the quarterback changes in 2023. But even in the meantime, Hertz was great in garbage time. Hertz was, was great, you know, when when he was, you know, forced to throw a lot. It was just a matter of, you know, when the, the, the defense wasn't playing soft, um, he wasn't playing well. So what are, what are your opinions on, on, on stacking this offense in Dynasty?
2: This is a tough one because uh, I, obviously A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, I, I think, are fantastic wide receivers. Both arguably could be in a wide receiver one conversation. I think Devonta Smith is maybe just slightly down from that. Uh, obviously now with the addition of AJ Brown, I think Dallas Goddard uh, was, you know, pretty highly regarded. I, I think how this offense continues to build, I'm I'm less loving that situation. And I mean, Jalen Hurts is essentially Jared Goff with rushing ability. The majority of his points came on the ground rather than through the air. In 15 games, he matched basically what Jared Goff did through the air. So, I and Jared Goff only played 13 games, so. I think we can all agree that Jalen Hurts isn't good. Uh, the fantasy scope that we try to use now when speaking on whether players are good or not uh, has really, really skewed how you know players actually are. Jalen Hurts isn't good. He's Blake Bortles, uh, and you know we can chase that for fantasy purposes, but the Eagles aren't going to be chasing that for the long term. So I, I think adding the extra players here, you're never getting Jalen Hurts for a, a value because of his points in 2022. He's going to score so many points this year, and then they're probably just going to ditch him because he's still a bad quarterback, but he can run. Um, I, I'm struggling short term with the wide receivers as well, even though we saw a pretty solid rookie campaign from Devonta Smith. I just don't know how Jalen Hurts is going to be able to provide enough through the air to keep all of these guys fed. And I still don't think Miles Sanders is very good. Uh, he's been wildly misused, but he's definitely not a three down back. He's arguably the worst like top 25 RB and as far as like dynasty goes between the tackles. He, he's he's a good he's an amazing pass catcher. I wish they would just create space for him, get him outside the tackles and and whether it's throwing it or tosses or sweeps or whatever because you get him in space and, and he really is special. Between the tackles, I think I'd rather have Frank Gore still.
1: <laughs> it's quite the take. Let's move on. We got two more offenses. We have the Miami Dolphins. Um, this is the one outside of Tyreek. Um, this is the offense that I have stacked the most. I have uh, a, t- a ton of Edmonds and Mostert, a ton of Tua, a ton of uh, a decent amount of Waddle, and a-, a ton of Gasecki. So I am very exposed to this Miami Dolphins offense. I understand the floor of this offense is probably pretty low with you know what the bad Tua that we've seen but also and the same token with the low floor there's a high ceiling if we see Alabama Tua with Tyreek and Waddle this can easily be a top 5 offense if things get going correctly
2: this is probably if I were to avoid a stack simply based on cost even though we've we talked about acquiring the cheap quarterback and the higher end assets I have less less faith in the floor of this offense. And you mentioned the the low floor, but I, I have almost no faith in the floor of this offense. And you know, we saw Jalen Waddle have a pretty darn good year last year with the quarterback Carousel that was Miami. I I just really struggle sinking in all of that cost to acquire Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle because both of them are going to be very expensive. Uh, alongside Tua, who I feel like at this stage, the Tua owner is probably the Tua truther in almost every league. There's a rare occasion where they've just been sitting on him where you can't find a buyer or maybe the selling price just wasn't quite right. And I feel like he would be a tough buy to get for anything less than an overpay. And as far as the running backs go, you know, you can take it or leave it with those. I'd be mostly interested in this offense in stacking quarterback and pass catchers if that became an option. And, you know, if I get a great value on Tua in a startup, I I think what I may do is go back with some of my earlier picks and try to acquire Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. And then with that later pick to get Tua, I'm probably stacking later on as well with Mike Gusecki because I feel like his value is going to drop a bit with the acquisition of Tyreek Hill, and obviously Jalen Waddell kind of took over last year. So I, I think there's immense upside here. This, again, kind of like the Raiders, could be a, an absolutely league-winning stack. But the floor is significantly lower. And that's where I struggle you know, sinking in a bunch of that cost on something that could be a net zero at the end of the day.
1: And let's wrap up with the probably the, what we consider the newest stack in all of fantasy football, and that is the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Deshaun Watson, maybe. Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, maybe. Amari uh, Cooper, etc., and the wide receivers, and David Njoku. I still think it, it's weird because Watson's value has gone up, but for some reason the Browns' pass catchers have not.
2: Yeah, so and I'm kind of along those lines as well. I think if I'm stacking the Browns, I'm stacking, I'm stacking Watson and Chubb, to be completely honest with you. I think Watson's going to do enough to spread the ball around where nobody's really going to take kind of a stranglehold on as far as the pass catchers go. Now, we would expect Amari Cooper to do things, but we also know that Amari Cooper is kind of that best ball option where he is absolutely massive for like seven to 10 weeks and then completely disappears for the other half of the season so uh, for me a watson chubb even hunt stack if you can stack all three especially in a best ball league that is is kind of cream of the crop as far as stacks when you're not going specifically after pass catchers and i know that sounds crazy to not go and get a pass catcher with your quarterback But like I said, Watson's going to be moving it around. That's kind of what he's done historically, even when he had DeAndre Hopkins and and Will Fuller. You know, he he spread the ball around. He did those things. And Nick Chubb, I think, gains massive value from this. I, I think having Deshaun Watson freeze that box up significantly because think about the difference between Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield. Now the defenses have one more body to worry about. You bring in Amari Cooper. And, you know, when he's on, he's one of the best route runners in the game, one of the best wide receivers in the game. And you add an athletic freak like David Njoku, this offense could be a real problem and a real mismatch issue uh, as far as, you know, trying to find defenders to put on all these bodies. So uh, I, I'm, I'm really focused on Watson and Chubb here. Uh, I wouldn't hate getting a, a later, uh, you know, a later uh, David Njoku in a startup or, or maybe cheaply as far as acquiring him with a pick. But unless I'm getting Omari for uh, kind of a nice value, which might be at this point, um, I'm probably avoiding pass catches in this stack.
1: Yeah, I, I think my one concern with stacking Watson with the running backs is that if Watson just becomes, you know, which he is, like a freak of a runner in the red zone, I think that could hurt the, the, the touchdown upside of, of Chubb and Hunt. I, I think there's a, I don't know, I don't have anything to really back this. I think the chances that Cream Hunt, Starts the season, with the Cleveland Browns are slummed to none. There's no reason for him to be on that team anymore.
2: Correct. I, I completely agree. I'm just speaking like if he's there, I would okay. like to have him, especially in combination with Nick Chubb. And I know you're you're sinking a lot of value into the running back position on one team. But if Chubb goes down with injury, you have Hunt. If Hunt gets moved, well, now you have two starters. So uh, I'm I'm bullish on Watson, assuming all things are are clear and he's able to return, no suspension, whatever um but you know if there is a suspension that's probably going to be a great time to get yourself into a brown stack if you wish to do so all right that should
1: wrap up our stacking episode of the dynasty cast any last words dan
2: uh no just do your best to to find that those value stacks and make sure you're doing it on underdog
1: Underdog, and use promo code RVRADIO2022, 10% discount to find your next great stack. And promo code ROTOVIZ, R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, 100% deposit match, up to $100. We will talk to you guys next week. ka